that are going through right now in hospital beds and hospital rooms and workplaces, God, and on the road and traveling. If you are able, Lord, to minister where each and every one of those are at all right now at this moment in time, and we pray, God, for your power and for your anointing to just saturate each and every one, God, each and every need, God. We thank you and we praise you, Lord. Oh, in the name of Jesus, we pray for those that need strength and near tonight in the power of the Holy Ghost. That you do a mighty, mighty work. We thank you and we praise you, God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Good to see everybody tonight. Uh, step out, greet each other for the next couple of minutes. And uh, tell everyone hello and then we will... Assemble in just a few moments. We do have firm foundation youth ministries tonight, children's ministries, and nursery. God bless you, Jesus. church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, we had a time this Sunday in the Holy Ghost, didn't we? Powerful services. God was just moving. Uh, both services just absolutely tremendous. And 
outstanding. I'm excited for everything that the Lord is doing in the body of Christ. And I'm looking forward to everything God uh, has got planned for each and every one of us and is doing uh, in here. Amen. We, uh, I don't have it with me, but our own Dr. Parks recently wrote an article that was published in one of our magazines. And so hopefully you can be on the lookout for that. I'll see if we can find some copies. Have you got a copy? You haven't got a copy? All right. And, uh, and uh, please do as we pray in prayer, be in prayer for Sister Joy as she has been in prayer for most of us, I believe, all of us at some point in time. Uh, she's been in prayer for the whole city of Hinesville. I don't know what I'm talking about. Liberty County. And, uh, and so uh, lift her up in prayer as Brother Chris did. Uh, go on to be with the Lord tonight at about 10 minutes till 7 to, or 10 minutes till 6 just before prayer. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. stand for the reading of the word. I want to read out of verse 34. It says, when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whoever, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life, they're going to lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the Gospels, the same shall save it. Say, I've got to lose my life. Somebody say that. I've got to lose my life. And what's going to happen if I lose my life for the Gospels' sake? I'm going to save my life. Amen. For what shall it profit if a man, if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever thou shalt for be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you that there shall be some that stand here which shall not taste of death till they see, have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And verse 2 then, and I know I'm changing chapters, but I'm doing that for a reason. So we're, we're talking about discipleship in Mark chapter 8 and losing your life for the gospel's sake to save it. But if you save your life for your sake, then you're going to lose it. And, and then there's a change into chapter 9. And then it says, after six days, Jesus, in verse 2, take with him Peter and James and John and leads them to a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. Yeah. If I could, I want to talk for a few minutes tonight. Oh, be a disciple, make a disciple. Be a disciple, make a disciple. Pastor Parks, would you lead us in prayer? Lord, your word is living. Your word is powerful, Lord God. It's 
how we receive direction. Let us come, O oh Lord, expecting that you'll speak to us through our pastor tonight. O oh God, as he begins to show us through your word, O oh God, how to spread this gospel message and to do it according to your will and not our own. And in this way, not only will our lives be saved, but we'll make disciples. And we intend to hear your word and not only hear it, but become doers of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. After that, you can be seated in Jesus' name. Great to see everybody at the house of the Lord tonight. Be a disciple, make a disciple. Christianity, at its core, is about Christ. If we look at Christ, though, Christ replicated himself in his disciples so that they would ultimately become his hands and his feet when he was no longer in uh, human form on this earth. He told the disciples in John 14 and 12, Most assuredly I say to you, who believes in me, the works that I do. What, what he examined, the works that he had done, he says, he will do also. And he doesn't stop there. He says, in greater works than these will he do. If you look at Christ, though, he didn't start out with a multitude. He didn't start out with thousands that we see. But if we go to Mark chapter 1, verse 16, early on, it says, As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishers. So how many did he start with? There's two right there. We, we, when, he, when he first comes, we, we see him starting with two. And they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Now, notice the next part. It's very important. Straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. They left what they were, who they were, their identity, uh, they left all of that and they followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, also mending uh, in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway, they call, he called them. So how many are we up to? We're up to four now. So he started with two. And now he's growing uh, to four. And straightway he called them. They left their father. They left their dad in the ship. Can you imagine how upset he was? <laughs> what is this generation thinking? <laughs> Just leaving me here with this boat in these nets. And, uh, and, with, and with the hired servants, and he went after him. So he took two, and then he took four. And he ultimately would take 12 and literally change the world. 12 and literally change the world. What are you going to do with what God has given you? What are you going to do with what God has given you? And let me say this. To do something with what God has given you, first you have to be a disciple. You have to be a disciple. And with that, you want to be right. But right does not mean you're right, but right means God is right. Right means God is right. You've got to be doctrinally sound. 
Discipleship is necessary. And in today's church culture across the world, commitment is hard to find. And commitment is what Jesus found when he found those disciples. When they laid their nets down and they followed him. That's what he found in that, in that discipleship. And those 12 would change the world. And become thousands and then ten thousands and now millions of people that are Christians. Discipleship is necessary. Discipleship is necessary. Discipleship isn't what we want to do. But it's what we've got to do. Discipleship can be, somebody said once, living for God easy is hard. And living for God hard is easy. Discipleship costs something. The disciples had to give up something. It look, look at Andrew and Peter, the first we see called. Straightway, they forsook their nets. It always requires you giving up something. You letting go of something. You saying, you know what? The gospel, Jesus, is more important than my things or my stuff or my career or any of those things. Discipleship requires us to give up who we are ourselves and our will has to be surrendered to his will. We have to be willing to lay our Isaac on an altar and allow God to lead in whatever that next step is. Can I get an amen? amen. In Luke 14, it tells us, Chair's getting in my way tonight. It tells us in Luke 14, and there went a great multitude, verse 25, with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, he cannot be my disciple. But there's another one in there. There's another one in there. Not just father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, now listen, intending to build a tower, sits not down first and counts the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it. Lest happily after he's laid the foundation is not able to finish it, all that beholdeth it begin to mock him. Saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. What king goes to war to make against another king sits not down first and consults whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him and come against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is a yet a great way off, he sends an ambassador and desires conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. Discipleship requires us to give up ourselves. If you think about Joseph and his dream, what we see when we see the dream is we, we kind of see this beautiful end result. That's what the dream is. It's this beautiful end result what's happening to man we have this great dream this this awesome goal this thing this uh 
pot of gold that's in it at the end of the rainbow. And that's kind of what, what Joseph had. He, he had this beautiful dream. But what wasn't in the dream was the reality of what he was going to have to go through to gain that dream. And the same thing in us in living for God. God gives us dreams and God gives us visions. And there's great things that God's going to do. And heaven's going to be this beautiful, amazing, wonderful, eternal place that we get to live forever and ever. And here on earth we get to have this peace in our life and this hope and this faith in the gospel. But it requires something before we gain all those things. Before Joseph obtained that dream that God gave him, he had to go through the pit. He had to go through a process. He had to go through the prison. And guess what? Sometimes in life there's some things that we've got to let go of, some things that we've got to give up before we gain what God has for us. With every beautiful dream that God has, there is a pit often. There is a process. Paul defined it as a press. I press toward the mark. In other words, there's something you've got to go through. There are things you're going to go through in this life. And you're going to have to deal with these things. But this process is often what it's doing is it is preparing us for the dream. Because it's working some things out of us. It's, it's grinding some things out of us. That word press that Paul uses when he said, I press toward the mark. It, it really, if you look it up in its origin, it means to suffer. And it means to strain. So what he was saying is I suffer and I strain to reach the end of the race. I've got to pay a price. And sometimes that price is the price that we pay in discipleship. I've got to be willing to go through the grind. I've got to be willing to surrender myself. I've got to be willing to be submitted myself. And I've got to, I've got to surrender to God's will and to God's plan that he has for my life. That's got to become priority over anything and everything else. What does God want from my life? Where is God taking me? And I've got to surrender myself to that because if I'm doing what I want to do, then I'm not going to gain heaven. I'm not going to gain big. But if I'm doing what Christ wants me to do, even if my flesh does not want to do it, even if my self does not want to do it, I push through, I press through, I surrender to God's will, I surrender to God's plan. Hallelujah. But for everything you give up in this life, everything you give up in this life, God has so much more in the life to come. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. The rewards of a life of discipleship bring peace, joy, hope in this life. It brings eternal life. But in order to become a disciple, you must align yourself with the Word of God, with the church, with God. Hallelujah. Alignment is very important in your life. Alignment is very important. Notice what Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew 15, verse 10. He called the multitude, and he said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goes into the mouth defiles a man but that which comes out of the mouth defiles a man. And notice that his disciples says, they said to him, 
Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended in they, when they heard this saying? They didn't like what Jesus was saying. They, they became upset. They became offended. Why? It was messing with them. It was messing with them. Can I, can I say it in just plain words? Sometimes God messes with us because there's something in us that he's trying to get out of us. We're not always going to like what God is saying, but he doesn't always feed us honey. Sometimes he's trying to get some things through us to work some things out of us. So he tells them this, and apparently the Pharisees, who were in that time considered religious, they got upset and were offended when they heard him saying this. Why? Because instead of saying the preacher's preaching, they said, he's talking to me. And I don't like it. He's calling us out. That's, that's what they, they, they were getting upset. And notice what he says then. He answered, every plan which my heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. And then he says, they be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both are going to fall into a ditch. A requirement of leadership is discipleship. You cannot be a leader if you're not first a disciple. Because where are you going to lead people if you are not a disciple yourself? Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ. Don't follow me if I'm not following Christ. Follow me at, you need enough word of God in your life. You, you, can't, just, you can't just have someone tell it to you. You've got to absorb this into your life. David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You've got to have enough word that they had to have enough word. Paul wasn't going astray, but if he would have, they needed enough word to know he was. 1 Corinthians, be followers of me, chapter 11, verse 1, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things. And then he says, and keep the ordinances. What's that? The word, ordinances could be the requirements, ordinances could be probably the word we don't like to use, the rules, order, all those structures, all those are good words. Keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man Pray or prophesy. Somebody say that. Say pray, pray or prophesy. Having his head covered dishonors his head. But every woman that prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. For what would even all one as if she were shaven? For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. A man ought, need, ought not to cover his head, for as he is the image 
and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. And neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judge in yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it's a shame for him. But if a woman have long hair, it's a glory for her. For her hair is given her for a... Now, if you take that and you go back and you read that first part again, talking about covered and uncovered, then it gives you, it will give you more and more of a revelation of this. But if a woman have long hair, it's a glory for her, for her hair is given her for a covering. But if anybody wants to argue about this or be contentious, we don't have such a custom, neither the churches of God. The scripture here is talking about praying and prophesying. It's talking about uncovered and covered. It's talking about uh, long and short. It's talking about cut and uncut. And it's going into those things. But ultimately what this is talking about is talking about man being in alignment with God. And it's talking about woman being in alignment with, with the husband and the husband in alignment with God. And then in that order, who would fall after that in, in the household, in a biblical household? Children. So, so it, it's talking about an alignment. We have an alignment with God when we are in discipleship. And we have to align ourselves with God's power and God's authority. And it's very important for us to follow after what God has set up in our life. It's important for us to have a pastor. Can I get an amen? It's important for us to have leadership in our lives. It's important for us to have authority in our lives because that authority is also will also provide a covering for us amen and, and we have got to be studious of this word as disciples i promise you if you will read this word intently and, and you will study this word daily and if you will allow this if you will get serious about this word then that scripture, David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You will face, find yourself in situations that you would normally stumble. But that word, before you stumble and before you fall, before, when you're tempted, before you're tempted, somebody was telling me the other day, they've been listening to a preacher on YouTube, and they, they showed me the picture, and they said, Have you ever listened to this? And I said, Nope. And uh, they, they said, he's saying that the only way to learn is to make mistakes. And I didn't understand that. And she said that grace was there. And I, I just looked and I said, 
Grace is not a license to sin. And you got to understand that. We've got a word. Yes, I've made mistakes. Yes, I've learned from the, many of those mistakes. I've stumbled. I've tripped. I've stepped in many a snare. I, I've lived for God. I've walked into potholes and fallen completely over. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? Amen. And, and I, I've done that. But the more I've read this, the less potholes I stumble in. Because I get up to the pothole and all of a sudden the word comes to my remembrance. And I realize I don't have to make mistakes to learn. I can open this book and I can read this book and I can apply it to my life. It's prophetic. It knows tomorrow. It, it, it's already written in here. You'll get there tomorrow, and today's word will preserve you tomorrow where others will fall into a pothole. And others will walk right into that snare. This will make you aware. Oh, praise God. That word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hallelujah. The problem sometimes today, not... Not in the apostolic church. Well, I mean, it's in all churches. But and in Christendom together, it, it, the problem is often people begin to become disciples. And something in the word. They're growing, moving forward. And something in the word comes across. And they don't like it. Have you ever been there? I mean, you're. You're, you're reading and you're studying and then all of a sudden you come across something and it's requiring something of you that you don't want to give. And it makes you upset. Nobody, I, you've never experienced, I'm just, I'm the only one, yeah, amen, okay. And, and, and so what happens is it, it's requiring you to sacrifice something that you don't want to sacrifice. And the problem with that is when we don't sacrifice it, we stunt our spiritual growth and we don't go forward from that point. Amen? We can't just throw some things out and some things in. And uh, we can't abort the process of discipleship. Discipleship is a lifestyle and a lifetime. It's a lifestyle and a lifetime. Now, I, I've gotten to some things that I didn't understand, and I, I would pray about it, and maybe I put it down, but God would always bring it back to me. I can't get so hard-hearted in my own life that when God is dealing with me about something, I just tell him, no, I'm not going to do that, or I'm never going to do that, or I'm going to do this. I can't get so hard-hearted that I, I somewhat oppose something in the Word of God. I, I don't want to be like Pharaoh. Pharaoh had a hardened heart. God hardened his heart. And I don't ever want a hardened heart. I want to be soft. I want to be moldable. I want God to transform me into who he's allowing me to come. I want him to renew me. I want him to stir me. 
And guess what? If he convicted me about something that I didn't want to let go of or I didn't want to give up or I, any of those things, and then I kept moving forward, I kept moving, and then guess what? God is going to get there again and he's going to bring it back up. And, and, and only so many, God's a gentleman. At some point in time, he's just going to take his hands off and let you do what you want to do. Amen? Uh, discipleship's a lifestyle and a lifetime. With that, we can't say when we disagree with the Word of God that the Word of God's wrong and we're right. We have to say the Word of God is right and humanity or man is wrong. Amen? Just because I don't agree with something doesn't change it from being true. Just because I don't agree with something doesn't mean it's not true. Amen? I am man. I am a human. I've got to line up with this word of God. Romans 3 and 3. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Just because somebody doesn't believe it, does that mean it's not right? It's not true? No. Just because some did not believe, shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid, let, every, let God be true in every man a liar. Galatians 1, 6. I marvel that you are soon, so soon removed from him that calls you to the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Now listen to what he says. Though we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you. That's how rooted you've got to be in the gospel. Amen. You've got to recognize. You've got to know what's right. If you hear something that's wrong, you've got to know that's wrong. There's something not, there's going to be stuff on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all your media forms, the radio, television, at work, at, at Walmart, on a billboard, on a sign, uh, on a commercial, any of those things. They're going to say something. You've got to be able to recognize what's truth what's right, and what's error. Can I get a witness? Amen. So it, he said, I marvel that you're removed. There be some that trouble you, in verse 7, and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than what we preach, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man, he repeats it, word upon word, line upon line, precept upon precept, and he established this. Let me say this again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that you've received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or listen to this. Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Who are we pleasing? Who are we here to please? God. Who do we want to please with our life? God. We don't need to create a platform where we can disciple people to what we believe if we're not willing to wholly surrender to what is true and to what God is saying. Amen. You've got to fully be surrendered. I've got to be surrendered. I've got to be submitted. And I've got to be aligned. I think about the car, I just got tires and I had them aligned because if they're out of alignment, 
especially if it's badly out of the line and it keeps rolling, it's going to ruin the tires. I don't know. Some of the mechanic people might know. Is there other things that's going to ruin if you keep driving that bearings and things like that because you're out of alignment? And, and, and then we, I had once spots in my tires because it was so badly out of alignment and, and, and it, it just made everything bad. And that's what being out of alignment with God, it just makes everything not roll right. It doesn't, it's not smooth and because it's out of alignment. We've got to be surrendered. We've got to be submitted. We've got to align. Some people are just partially aligned in life, partially surrendered. Partial disciples. And the problem comes is when they peak at the level of surrender they're at, those following them will not go any further. If you're a half committed disciple, those following after you will be a quarter committed disciple. How's that? If I'm only halfway serving God, those following behind me will only a quarter of the way, I believe, serve God. And we don't need to make partial disciples in this society but we need to make whole disciples we need to follow after him wholly it was thomas jefferson some of you may know there was something called the jefferson bible and jefferson had a bible that basically he took out what he wanted to take out then he took out the miracles and he took out some other things and and he left what he wanted to leave a jefferson bible doesn't work for us because that's not wholly being a disciple, just taking what I want out of it and leaving the rest for everybody else. Some people in life, their motto is half is better than none. Half is better than none. But when it looks, when we look at aligning with God and His Word, we've got to wholly align. I want to be a disciple of Christ. I want to be wholly surrendered, submitted to His will wholly acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. I want to have convictions in my life that are unwavering. I, 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 want, I want to have things in my life that I will not remove, that I will not let go of, that, that are set up there that I'm going I'm to serve God, I'm going to do these things no matter what. I don't want to be like the world. The world is changing. And, and what has happened is sometimes the church tries to tries to camouflage into the world and, and and so if the world goes way out here the church is like well we're still we're still better than they are but we can't do that we've got to line up with the word of god we we can't just give up what we believe we can't give up truth uh, to follow everybody else or to be approved of men or to uh, be the next growing uh, mega church. No, no, no. We've got to have truth. And we've got to love truth. And we've got to let this truth get a hold of our hearts. And we've got to have discipleship in our life. And we've got to have convictions in our life. To what and to whom are you aligning yourself? Christ or Christ? Christ or Chris, faith or friends? Do you have a pastor or an influencer? An influencer will not present you before God. A pastor will. People prefer today sometimes to listen to an influencer instead of a pastor because they can listen to what they want 
and they click off what they don't like and move on to another episode or another podcast or something. I'm not saying those things are bad, but I'm saying that we, we can't just have itching ears looking to hear what we want to hear. Amen. We, the people have many influencers, but how many pastors do you have? I want to be such a disciple. I want to be such a disciple that I'm still allowing God at 54 years old to change me every day, to mold me after his will. For me, I, I, I still have to give stuff up. I still have to let go of things. God still convicts me about things. And I have to listen to him. And, and some things he convicts me about are not necessarily always things I want to listen to. But when I learn that I need to let go of something or I need to give up on something and I cross that line and I get on the other side of that line, I realize how much of a blessing it was. I couldn't see that it was a problem. I couldn't see that it was an issue. But when I surrender to his will, not my will, and I cross that barrier and that line that goes from my will to his will, when I surrender to whatever convictions or whatever in his word he's saying to me at that time, and I let go of whatever that was. I can't live half in. I can't live lukewarm. I can't live to where I'm just a little in and just to where I'm a halfway disciple. No, it's hot or cold. And I want to be on fire. If you think about it, if you're hot, that, 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 that's good. You're on fire for God. If you're lukewarm, you're somewhere in the middle. The problem with lukewarmness is we just kind of get satisfied. You, you reach your hand under cold water and you pull it back. You reach it under hot water and you pull it back. You put it under lukewarm water and, yeah, it's lukewarm. Let me adjust a little bit. You, you, you'll kind of stay there. But if it's cold, you know it's cold. If you get cold, there's no answer getting cold except for finding something some heat some fire something hot so you're better to be cold or hot than to be lukewarm because lukewarm you'll be satisfied but cold you're going to want that fire again you're going to want to find that fire again can I get an amen you can't live half in you can't live somebody say Christ or Christ 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 Say, faith or friends, faith is first, right? The church or YouTube? The church. An influencer or a pastor? A pastor. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves. I can go find whatever I want to hear. I can go listen to whatever I want to listen to. What am I feeling like today? Having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministries. You were called to be a disciple. And you were called to make a disciple. You were called to be a disciple 
And when you become a disciple, you will naturally become a leader because people are going to follow what's right. And they are going to follow what's going the right direction. So when you become a disciple, you will make a disciple. And the more disciples you become, the more people will follow you because you're going the right direction. I want to live for him. I want to live for him 100%. I want to live for him with everything inside of me. I want to give him my passions. I want to surrender to his will, not my will, but thy will be done. I want to pray that prayer every day. I want to mean it with everything inside of me because I've got to be a disciple. Is it going to cost me things? Yes. Am I going to lose things? Yes. Am I going to lose friendships because of discipleship along the way? Absolutely. But I want to be wholly surrendered to Jesus Christ because I am going to have rewards down here. But even more than that, I'm going to get to walk and live in eternity one day in heavenly places. And I am excited about that as well. Down here, I'll have peace. I think the scripture even says you'll have houses and other things down here. But when you get there, it's going to be a blessing. Why? Because I paid the price of discipleship while I was here. It's not always easy, but it is what's right. It's not always easy, but it is what's right. Would you stand with me tonight? God, I want you to make us disciples. We're not just coming here, Lord, to meet. We're not just gathered here just for fellowship tonight, God. But each and every one of us are asking, Lord, for you to form us, to put us on the potter's wheel again, God. Oh, Lord, to just gently put some pressure on us, God, to take out what's wrong, God, and leave in what's right, God, to help us to form to your will, Lord Jesus, to... God, let us surrender here today, God, to your calling and, and what you desire for our life, Lord. Oh, God, here I am. Lord, put us on the potter's wheel again. Don't throw us in the potter's field, but put us on the potter's wheel, God. Mold me and make me after thy will, Lord. Oh, God, form me into what is your will and what is your desire, Lord. In the name of Jesus, speak into our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's reach out to the Lord of glory in this place for a few moments tonight. Make a place of prayer. Find a place of prayer. The altar's open. You can come to the altar if you want to talk to the Lord. God, make me a disciple. Make me, form me, God. Oh, Lord, when, when I've gotten stony-hearted or when, I've, when my heart's not soft anymore, God, reach down with your tender hands, Lord, and just soften me. Lord, allow me to become moldable after your will. Allow me to hear your voice, Lord God. Speak to me, O oh Lord. Oh God, if there's something not right in me, O oh Lord, not right in my life or in my lifestyle, God, let me lay it here on this altar and surrender to your will. God, work on me each and every day, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah.
praise tonight. Uh, was a good God. Amen. I want you to uh, continue to pray for all of the prayer needs and pray for the Dixon family, Sister Joy, uh, tonight as well. And our ushers are getting ready to come receive tonight's tithes and offerings. As they're coming, just a few quick reminders. Uh, our youth, I believe, are leaving at 11, Friday at 11. And it's important, I believe, that they leave them because the, uh, the youth event they're going to last year was standing room only. And they want to get there in time to where they can get under the spout where the Holy Ghost is pouring out. Yes. Get up near the front. Praise God. And uh, they're going to have a great time. And uh, so that's going to be this weekend. And other, I don't have the announcements. Is there anything I'm leaving out? Let's call on the name of the Lord. Father, make us disciples in this hour. God, let us be more committed, not less. Let us be more involved, not less. Let us read and study your word. God, let us eat this book, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We pray, God, that you bless all of the events, each and every one. We pray. For Sister Joy right now, you strengthen our sister that often prays for us. Uh, we thank you and we praise you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Greetings, you, you can give and be dismissed. God bless.